Hello and welcome to CEO Stories, the podcast where I explore the origin stories of some of the region's leading and up and coming CEOs. I'm your host, Henrietta Burley, Chief Exec of the Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce. And today I am delighted to welcome Richard Mabry, Chief Executive of the West Midlands Reserve Forces and Cadets Association. Welcome, Richard. Good morning, Henrietta. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, for those listeners who might not have come across you before, could you tell us a little bit about you and the West Midlands Reserve Forces and Cadets Association? Sure, yeah. Um, Well, I I joined the West Midlands Reserve Forces and Cadets Association after serving in the Army um, for some 35 years. Um, We're located over in in Harborne, not far far from here. Uh, And really we do do three things. First of all, uh, we look after all of the reserve uh, and the cadet estate across the the, the West Midlands, the six counties uh, of the the West Midlands. Secondly, um, that we support the MOD's Youth and Cadet Programme. And principally... um, that, that's about employing, uh, for, for the Army cadets in particular, uh, all of their full-time professional staff. Uh, and then thirdly, we do, I guess, what I'm doing here today, which is, which is engagement. Uh, and that's principally um, engagement with employers, um, trying to explain to them uh, the benefits of them supporting their um, employees into the reserves uh, or to become cadet force adult volunteers or indeed about uh, employing army army veterans so principally employer engagement but we do but we do um, we do engagement on a, on a on a wider basis uh, than that as, as well uh, and we've got a staff of about uh, 60 um, sort of full, full-time staff and then a voluntary association membership uh, which includes a, a voluntary um, board um, as well uh, of about 180 people Fantastic. And we'll be coming back to that employee, employer, even uh, engagement activity a little bit later in the podcast. But for now, regular listeners of the show will know that we like to start exploring CEO stories and journeys by going right back in time to childhood. So what would 10 year old Richard Mabry think about what you're doing now? Uh, I think it might be slightly surprised, but I think you know, kind of quite pleased because when I was when I was ten years old, I think I pretty much made up my mind that I wanted to join you know, the the army. Uh, and once I had made my mind up, I really didn't uh, I really didn't deviate um, fr- from that. Um, so uh, so yeah, I think I'd have uh, yeah I think at, at the age of ten, if I'd seen what I was doing now, I'd be, I'd be quite happy with that. That's pretty impressive. I think you're the first guest on this show who knew at 10 years old exactly what they wanted to do and then went and did it. Um, So, you know, you've already mentioned 35 years in the army. Was the army your first job? Is that the first job you went into or did you do anything first? Uh, well, I, d- I did have a couple of sort of part-time jobs uh, when, when I was at school. Um, in particular, I can remember I worked in a, uh, in a, in a, in a, in a factory um, uh, in a town called Froome in Somerset, which is where I, which is where I was um, you know, born and, and raised and uh, I lived there till I was 18 years old, but I worked in this factory um, on on a production line uh, for at least one summer holidays, maybe 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 two, earning, as I recall, a princely sum of 37 pounds a week, paid in paid in cash, um, on the shop floor from a trolley that was being pushed around from somebody from the uh, the payroll the, you know, department, and um, yeah, it seemed like a fortune at the time. What did they make? Uh, cuprinol, a wood preserver. Oh, yeah. So when did uh, that? opportunity to join the armed forces come about um well it was something that i'd always like i said yeah i really had always wanted to do um and um as i got older um and, and i was in my uh, in my senior school um i think my parents became aware that there was um there, there was an opportunity um to try and win a win an army scholarship uh, at the age of uh, at the age of 16 
Um, so they sort of put me forward to that. Uh, I was lucky enough, um, you know, to, 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 to get one of those. And that kind of, you know, sort of, you know, supported you through your, your last two years uh, in, yeah, in, in school. Uh, and then meant that, um, you know, shortly after leaving school, uh, you arrived at the Royal Military Academy at, at Sandhurst. Carrying your ironing board um, under you know under under one arm and a suitcase under you know un- under the other, uh, and after a little bit more sort of selection uh, there, I then started my uh, and then started my army training. Fantastic. What do you think inspired that interest in joining the army? Is there anything you can put mm. it down to? Was it? Was I, th- I think I can. There? I think I can. Yeah, because um, where I lived in in, in Froome, that was in North Somerset, uh, right on the Wiltshire border, so very close to Salisbury Plain. So we used to every uh, yeah, every spring and summer um, go to lots of army displays, army open days. Um, we, you know, when there were huge sort of you know open days and and, and displays and lots of weapons, um, you know, firing um, and you know, the army really sort of showing itself off uh, to the public. And I think it I think it was that yeah when I was when I was really quite young, probably four or five that, that sort of you know lit the flame. Fantastic. So you've arrived at Sandhurst. You've got your ironing board under one arm, your suitcase in the other. How did your career in the army develop from there? Um, well, I was there for um, just un- just under a year. In fact, it seemed very, very. It seemed like a very, very short space of time because the time there passed very quickly. And before you knew it, you were kind of out, you know out, out out on the ground. I was still eighteen years old when I when I commissioned from there. Uh, yeah, and and responsible for yeah around about thirty people. Uh, but I was extremely fortunate. My first, um, my first posting, um, I went to Hong Kong, uh, which was just uh, fan- fantastic. You know what, a, what, a, what a great experience! And I could never have imagined uh, that, that 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 was where I would have gone uh, to, to, you know, to start off. But I went there. Uh, I was there for about eighteen months. Um, I went on exercise. I remember to Papua New Guinea uh, with the Gurkhas uh, in the jungle, which was superb. Um, did lots of other great things over there as well, uh, but eventually all good things had to come to an end. Came back to UK, and I was very fortunate then to go to um, Shrivenham, which is the Royal Military College of Science, to do an in-service degree. Um, and I, yeah, and, and that was kind of the start of my education, I guess, I guess uh, in, in in the army, which really never stopped. Um, but it, but the army did provide me you know, with a fantastic education, uh, and that's one of the things I shall always uh, always be grateful for. Um, but yeah, li- life then went on. I served in various um, you know, other other, uh, you know, other places, uh, including um, a tour in uh, a tour in Germany. Um, and after about five or six years, um, I went on a what was called a long course, um, and it was the ammunition technical officers course where you learn all about um, aspects of the army's ammunition and explosives and so on and so forth. Uh, that ultimately led uh, into me um, uh, learning about um, explosive ordnance disposal or, or bomb disposal. Uh, so as a as a, a sort of subunit commander, commanding about a hundred people, uh, I commanded a, uh, a a bomb disposal squadron, and subsequent to that, commanded one of the U- one of the UK's um, bomb disposal regiments as well. Uh, and that w- both those jobs were fantastic, um, working with some absolutely brilliant people, very yeah, highly skilled, highly professional people, uh, but but great fun um, uh, as well. And the job was hugely interesting because. Uh, we did all of the, apart from uh, it, it, inside the M25, uh, we were responsible for, for delivering, and, and they still are, all of the bomb disposal support for the, for the police uh, in, in, in the UK. So a tremendously interesting job. So already at that stage in your career, you, you've had experience of international travel and you know working with sort of other cultures abroad. You've had a very high pressure, it sounds like it was a lot of fun, but also a high pressure role with that bomb disposal side of things. Do you think that sort of shapes your leadership, uh, those early experiences in your career, your sort of leadership style and approach? Yeah, I think it does because 
yeah, I, I guess you yeah you do become quite sort of task uh, focused, uh, be, you know, be, be, because because of that pressure. But because the army is very much, yeah, you know, all of the armed forces is very much a you know a, a people business, um, yeah, as well. You, you know, you learn very early on that you must, um, you know, sort of get on with your people and trust your and trust your people uh, and look after your people. So what happened next? Um, after that. Um, well, I mean, I served in various sort of places, yeah, yeah, yeah around the world on, uh, on on operational tools. It was funny actually because the early part of my career it took quite a long time um, until I yeah until I sort of deployed somewhere um, operationally because in those days, uh, in the sort of uh, late eighties and very early nineties, um, th- there was not much you know going on um, you know op- operationally, um, and that all changed of course with the with the Balkans and then sub- subsequently. Um, of you know operations in the uh, yeah, in, in, the, in, 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 in the in the Middle East, so I sort of served in lots of those uh, places. Um, I did a job uh, in in Glasgow uh, in the Army's Personnel Centre, um, which was very um, in, instructive, um, learning all about how the Army actually manages its people um, at, a, at, a, at a at a higher level. Uh, I was responsible uh, at one of my last jobs. I was responsible for running all of the munitions depots uh, in 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 the UK, uh, and then finally I ended up um, here in the West Midlands as the as a deputy commander for the army uh, in the in the West Midlands, which is I think is uh, where I first came across the Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and uh, so, what happened then? So you left active service. Did you go straight into working for the West Midlands Reserve Forces and Cadets Association? Or I, I did because. Uh, Really, because it because the opportunity um, came up, um, I started part of my job working as the sort of the army's deputy commander in the West Midlands involved you know, a great deal of interaction with the reserve forces and, and cadets association. Uh, the you know, the role of the chief executive uh, came you know came up, so I, so I decided I was thinking about what I might do when I when I um, when I left the army. I had about two years left to run at that stage if I'd stayed in. Uh, right until the end, uh, which was age fifty-five uh, for, for for me. But this job came up a couple of years earlier than that. Um, I thought that looks like a great opportunity. Um, I'll, I'll take a punt and try, you know, and, and and apply for it. And I was fortunate enough to get it. So that was about four and a half years ago. Now you've mentioned reserve forces a few times, mm. and this podcast is a, a bit of a special for Armed Forces Reserve Day. Okay. So would you like to tell us for those who may not? fully understand what the reserve forces are or yeah. maybe sort of vaguely aware of them but not really sure how it operates yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit more about the role of the reserve forces and sure. what army reserves do yeah i mean the reserves of course you know cover um, all three services then you yeah, know the navy the army and the air force um, the, the army reserves used to be called the territorial army which is probably a term that that, that, that most people are, are perhaps more um, more familiar with um, but really, they consist of, as it says, you know, res- reserve forces, and, that, and you know, they are people who give up their spare time, you know, to, to, to serve in the reserves to enhance the military capability uh, in, yeah, in, in in this country. Um, Churchill referred to you know to, to, to the reserves or, or reservists as you know people who were twice a citizen. Yeah, in other in other words, you know, they were holding down um, you know one job and sort of part of society with with one hat on. Uh, and yeah, they were doing this extra job as well in the in the service of their country. Um, so they give up probably you know uh, a couple of a couple of evenings uh, e- each month, maybe uh, maybe a weekend um, every month or every couple of months, uh, and then 
two weeks um, every every year to attend their annual deployment exercise. But in addition to that, of course, uh, they can volunteer or they can be mobilised uh, to support you know, the regular forces on operations. Uh, and I think yeah, and it's been it's been indicated very clearly um, in in in. in couple of reviews that have taken place over the last two years or so that the reserves are going to are going to feature um you know ever more you know in, in all military planning in all military operations they will be part of this what's called the whole force so that you know the, the force really is seamless there is no sort of gap between the regulars and the reserves and, and indeed the mod civil service and the contractors that they all work with um as well and uh, yeah and I, and I guess you know if um yeah if ukraine is teaching us anything uh, it is teaching us, you know, the importance of of having, um, you know, uh, yeah, a, a viable and and capable reserve. They are the ultimate insurance policy. They always were for us during 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 the during the Cold War. Um, yeah, and 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 they remain ex- exactly that. And with that, with that growing importance of the reserve forces, what role do employers play in this? How important is employer engagement? Employer engagement is is really um, important for us because. Um, it's a, it's a, a critical factor in sustaining the reserve forces. All you know, all you know, any any reservist that, that has a job, you know, that, that that has a that, that has a career, um, really is quite reliant on their um, you know, on their employer supporting them um, in you know, into the reserves and not put, not putting barriers uh, or blockers uh, in, in 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 their way. Um, and we engage with employers to try and explain to the employer, you know, the benefits of you know, reserve service. Um, and, and the benefits that those individuals you know, who are serving in the reserves can then bring back into the workplace. Would you like to talk through some of those benefits? Because obviously we're uh, entirely bought into this as a Chamber of Commerce. Of we're yeah. Employer Recognition Scheme, Gold Award Holders. Yeah. We're an Armed Forces Covenant Signatory. Or and indeed. we really see the value yeah. of uh, engaging with the Armed Forces and supporting reservists. Yeah. But for those who might be new to it, what are some of those benefits? Um, well, I think yeah. I mean, there are the obvious sort of hard skills, um, you know, that, that you know that, that, that you can learn. So you can you can develop your um, engineering skills, your logistics skills. Um, you can gain additional driving qualifications, communication qualifications, and so on. So there's all those hard skills, uh, but probably um, you know equally as important um, and you know and, and of benefit to the employer are the soft skills, you know, that, that, the, that, you know that, that, that you bring back. So it's that. Um, you know that self-discipline, um, you know, which which kind of embodies uh, a, you know, a lot of what serving in the armed forces um, it, you know, is is all about. Uh, discipline is really important, and self-discipline is the most important. Um, there's fitness, um, general general health, kind of you know reliability, working as a member of a team, working as a leader, learning how to solve problems, you know, manage projects, all those sorts of things, at which. Um, we're not always that that great at explaining. You know, the military are not always that great at, great at, at explaining. You know, what those things that we do in the military all the time, how they translate into you know, the civilian workplace. But you know, but the but the skill set you know, is exactly the same, and they and they map across yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, and particularly at the moment, um, every employer I speak to, first thing they mention is the recruitment environment and how challenging it is attracting, retaining, and developing mm. really good people. Uh, and this always strikes me as a fantastic way to engage with a cohort of, as you say, really skilled people who are focused on continuing to develop, giving back to society, really dedicated individuals. It's a really good way of demonstrating yeah, we're committed to supporting you in our workforce and yeah. wanting to employ you. So yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about the Armed Forces Covenant and what that represents? Sure. Yeah, I mean, so that that is really, um, you know, that, that's the way that the employer can really demonstrate their support. But the Armed Forces Covenant 
uh, at the sort of base level is is this um, you know is this agreement or promise between you know the nation and its armed forces that no member uh, of the armed forces will be disadvantaged uh, you know by dint of their of, the, of their military service so um, so you know for the for the reservists there you know therefore you know that that might mean that um, you know that 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 is impl- that their employer does not sort of penalise them for any time that they've spent away on operations. Uh, or you know, j- simply uh, simply training, um, and the great thing about the armed forces covenant, from our point of view, is that a it's a, it's a really good thing to start having a conversation with an employer about it's something tangible to start talking about. Um, but secondly, that um, yeah, that the armed forces covenant um, can be tailored so that so that the employer um, can you know, can sort of tailor the pledges that they might make within it. So thinking about reserve service, they might say that well, okay, we know you have to go off on your on your annual camp your annual deployment exercise every every year for for two weeks we'll give you an additional two weeks unpaid leave um you know to help you with that so you haven't got to dig into your own leave uh or if they're a really great employer you know and and they can afford it they might say well we'll give you an additional two weeks paid leave you know you know to uh, you know to do that they might write in there uh that they will give you know they, they will guarantee you know an interview to armed forces veterans or someone who's perhaps you know a, a reservist providing they're above the quality line will guarantee them you know, a, you know a, a job interview they might write in there that they welcome employing you know wider members of the armed forces family you know spouses you know of serving personnel for example fantastic and so for those who are listening to this going oh actually i'd quite like to find out a bit more about mm. that how do you recommend that they get in touch well, they can either get in touch, you know, with us um, directly, and if they if they just if they Google uh, West Midland um, RFCA, uh, will we'll come up at the top of the top of the list, and they can then there's a phone number on there, there's an email address on there, they can get in touch with us directly, um, or if they want to do their own research on the Armed Forces Covenant, if they just if they just um, you know type in Armed Forces Covenant into any search engine, again, you know that that will uh, you know that will come up, uh, but certainly you know my, my or our uh, engagement team at the West Midlands RFCA would be more than happy. Um, we'll be delighted to talk to any any employer uh, who wants to find out more. Brilliant. And any chamber members listening, you can also reach out to your relationship manager and we'll be able to connect you up within the chamber network as well. Um, so as well as looking after reservists, as well as looking after estates, as well as doing all of those things, something I've been absolutely fascinated to find out about um, at the West Midlands Reserve Forces and Cadets Association is just the amount of things that you get involved in and the number of places where uh, the Armed Forces family are involved in sort of major celebrations and activities. Mm. Um, and I think there's a few things coming up this summer, isn't there, that is quite exciting. Would you like to talk a little bit about some of those? Yeah, I mean, it's a big year, um, th- you know, this year, isn't it? Not, not least, you know, for, for, you know, for, for, for Birmingham and the, and, the, yeah, and, the, and, the, and the West Midlands itself with the, the Commonwealth Games uh, and uh, the, you know the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Um, after I leave here today, I'm going to go back into work, uh, do a couple of hours of uh, yeah, do a couple of hours work. But then this afternoon, um, I'm going, going over to Alexander Stadium because um, the Army are, are running a, a regional uh, athletics event there, um, and that's as part of the sort of commissioning process, um, you know, for the uh, for, for the stadium. So I'm going over to watch um, some of that, which will be uh, ex- exciting. Uh, next week, um, in conjunction with Birmingham uh, University, there's a big uh, uh, military tattoo, sort of tri-service um, tattoo um, o- over at the university, um, and that um, is in conjunction with you know, with the Commonwealth Games, um, 
organisation as well, and 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 the city council. And it's really sort of designed, although it, although it's showcasing the armed forces, it's really kind of uh, designed. The 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 idea uh, was to sort of you know mark the start of the Commonwealth Games and and the and the, and the Platinum Jubilee sort of period and, and the sort of start of that. Um, of, the, of that summer period, but that's going to be great fun. There's there's um, tri-service mass bands there. Uh, there are field gun races between the regulars um, and yeah and 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 the cadets uh, and and a, and a reception after the event as well. We're also looking forward uh, th- this year for the first time for uh, it'll be three years now. Uh, to taking some employers up to the Queen's Birthday Parade, Trooping the Colour, um, in London, which is always a fantastic event. Um, it's taken place uh, on, on a much smaller scale at Windsor Castle over the last two years, but it's now back on Horse Guards Parade in London uh, in in in, Ju- in June, right in the middle of the or right at the start of the of the of the of the Jubilee weekend. So that that'll be great fun as well. Um, and I've got to say, one of the other things I'm really looking forward to over the summer, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that I always enjoy is visiting the, uh, the all, all of the cadets. Uh, on their on their on their summer camps, which will be all around, you know, taking place uh, all around the country. Fantastic! So a fun-packed summer for you there. Lots summer. going on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so at this point in the podcast, we like to take a little bit of a look back, look back over your career. Um, and are there any leaders or individuals that have inspired you on that journey? I was thinking about this. I mean, the, yeah, there there are lots of um, you know military leaders clearly that um, you know that, uh, that 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 I've admired. Um, you know, over the years, you know, famous ones or you know, ones that I worked for. But one, one, one uh, individual that I really enjoyed uh, working for um, was an American uh, colonel, and it was um, back in I think 2009, uh, whilst I was serving in in Afghanistan. And he was he was my uh, direct boss. What I liked about him was that that he always managed to find the best in people. So I was working in a uh, in a in a in a branch uh, in a multinational uh, headquarters. Uh, with with uh, nationalities, people there, pe- people there with nationalities from you know from all, all all over the world. And what he was really good at was was you know seeking out what those individuals were good at and then exploiting uh, the, the, those strengths. And uh, yeah, I, I observed him doing that, uh, and uh, he did it. He did it really really well. And I, tr- I tried to learn uh, from from that. I think watching people and seeing you know what they do and how they how they behave. Uh, yeah, and how they deliver good performance uh, is always really instructive. Fantastic! So that real sort of people-focused approach, and yeah. like I say, being quite canny at spotting strengths and how best to bring those out. Absolutely. Um, and as a another question, you've mentioned quite a lot of travel during your career. Mm. Was there any place that you look back on and go, "That was just fantastic"? You know, your favourite place that you visited during your career? Uh, well, I think. Hong Kong was undoubtedly, you know, an amazing place to go, especially at the age of, um, you know, eight, 18 years old. I was perhaps lucky to survive and come back all, you know, all, all, in, all in one piece. Um, but I think, um, I think living in living in Germany, uh, where, where my wife and I lived um, when we were first married, um, before we had children, was was also great. Her her father had been in the army, so she'd lived there um, two or three times uh, when she was when she was growing up. Uh, but it was the first time that, that I'd ever um, um, probably maybe even set foot in Germany, certainly um, certainly lived there. Uh, and it was just such a fantastic place to live, uh, you know, in the middle of the uh, in the in the middle of the 1990s. Um, you know, the soldering was uh, was w- 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 was good fun uh, and the quality of life was absolutely excellent. 
Brilliant. As someone who loves traveling, I always love finding out uh, people's top tips and favorite mm. places to go, particularly after a couple of years of not doing very much of it. Um, now, final question for you. If you could offer just one piece of advice to an aspiring chief executive, what would it be? Mm. I think if you're if you are in any um, senior leadership role, then there's always lots and lots of things to do and lots of uh, lots of stuff that you've got to deliver on, and you can't do it all yourself. So you've got to trust and and empower your people and look after your people. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Richard. Um, and to all of you at home, do remember to subscribe to CEO Stories wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on the social medias at GRB Ham Chambers on Twitter, Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce on LinkedIn. Thank you again, Richard. And thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.